so hey everybody, welcome to ARE Live. I'm Mark Tier, the founder of Black Spectacles, and today we're gonna to be speaking with some architects who recently passed their exams. And we're gonna ask them all sorts of questions about their, the things they've done after they uh, passed their exams to uh, how they organize and plan them. So it should be really interesting. I feel like you're probably gonna learn a ton. Um, before we get started though, if you'd like to attend our next ARE Live broadcast, where we'll focus on the programming and analysis uh, mock exam for ARE 5.0. Uh, visit blackspectacles.com slash podcast to register. Um, and during the broadcast, you'll have a chance to ask questions to the group and to Mike Newman, who'll be joining us as well. Um, as you guys probably know, here at Black Spectacles, we have built a comprehensive ARE 4 and 5 exam curricula that you can utilize and I often like to remind folks that if, you know, if you'd like your boss to pay for your Black Spectacles membership, be sure to tell them about our firm licenses for any size firm, uh, whether you work at a 10-person or a 10,000-person firm. You know, we have firm licenses that give uh, multiple users access, uh, a group admin, reporting, all that good stuff. So if you're interested in that, you, know, you can visit blackspectacles.com firms to learn more about that. And then today, as usual, we have a special discount on Black Spectacles individual memberships to share at the end of the broadcast, too. So be sure to stay tuned uh, for that. Uh, today, our guests, our three guests here, are uh, Jonathan Stiles, uh, who's a project architect at Piper O'Brien Her Architects in Alpharetta, Georgia, which is just outside of Atlanta. Isn't that right, Jonathan? That's correct. Awesome. Uh, and then we have Jake uh, Elliott, who is a senior designer at Lionacus. Uh, which is in Sacramento, California, um, who probably has much better weather than we have here in Chicago. Um, <laughs> is that about right? <laughs> yeah, it's not too bad. Awesome. And Debbie uh, Bird, who's an architect at Keys Architects and Associates in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, Debbie, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Awesome. Um, so today, uh, just so everybody knows, we'll be taking questions using the GoToWebinar question box, uh, as well as on Twitter using the ARE Live podcast hashtag. Um, I want to thank everybody who's already posted a couple of questions, which are really, really useful. We'll, we'll try to bring those in here as we, we go along. Um, and just so you guys know, we always record this and make it available um, as a podcast and as a webinar, or I'm sorry, as a video uh, for folks to listen to afterwards. So uh, we get that question a lot. Uh, so just so you know. Uh, so with that, I think we're going to go ahead and get started. So let's jump in here. We'll do our first question. And Jonathan, maybe I'll let you start here. Can you talk a little bit about exam timing, um, uh, your schedule, and how did you sort of buy and schedule the exams? Did you do them kind of one month at a time? Did you buy them all at once? Talk a little bit about your approach to that. Yeah, sure. So what I did was I kind of evaluated the each exam, determining you know how hard I think it would probably would be, and so I would schedule it accordingly. So I would allot myself, let's say, for programming, planning, and practice, let's say. So I would say, okay, I'm, I think this exam, I can pretty much schedule about four weeks for it. And so what I did was I would break it up to where I would take the last week of that chunk as my review week, and then I would divvy up the other three weeks by percentages based upon how the exam was broken up um, according to the uh, NCARB uh, guidelines. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you did you say you, you focused on the hardest exams first? Oh, no. Um, basically, I kind of evaluated each exam and thinking about how hard it was going to be, mm -hmm. um, how familiar I was with the material, and then I kind of do the time accordingly. So I, um, I basically started with um, schematic design first, 
as kind of a introduction to the whole testing format and work and work my way from there. Okay. And then did you give your did you sort of follow any kind of schedule like you always gave yourself a month or um, did you just kind of play it by ear and then how long did it take you to, to ultimately pass all the exams? Right. I gave myself between four and six weeks depending on uh, the exam material and how comfortable I was with it. Um, and that's how I scheduled it. Um, and basically my whole process, uh, it took about a, a year and eight months to do. So um, again, four or six weeks per exam, and then you know you a lot some time in there for vacations happen, life mm -hmm. happens, and that kind of thing. Um, but overall, it took me about a year and eight months. Okay, cool. Uh, Jake, uh, tell me about your approach. What was your exam timing schedule? Yeah, I think uh, using that last week for review is key. Um, I usually spent about four to six weeks as well, um, and it kind of varied depending on the test. Like, I didn't feel comfortable um, scheduling four weeks for structures or systems because it was a little bit more foreign. Um, but I think that's a good timeline. You don't want to spend too long. You can kind of get sidetracked easier. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just easier to stay focused if you just keep it, keep it brief. Um, and one thing that uh, some of my peers did was we would always take one week break in between exams. Hmm. And so that helped you get a, a breath of fresh air, but then also it's not, you're not taking a step back for too long and then you got to get back into the groove. So that was, that was a good time. So during my week break, I would always schedule my next exam towards the end of that week for about four to six weeks, um, for the next one. Okay, and how long did it take you to get through? And did you do ARE 4 or 5? I, I did all four. Uh, it took me about a little over a year. Um, I went through the first six in about eight months. And then uh, we, my girlfriend and I bought a house. So we took about a six-month break uh, before I took structures, which I kind of regret taking that one last, but I got through it. And uh, Jonathan, were you an ARE 4 or ARE 5? I was 4.0. 4.0, okay, cool. Debbie, tell me about your approach. Well, I did the transition. So I started in yeah. 4 and ended in 5. Mm -hmm. um, I usually tried to schedule the test when I felt I only had about two weeks worth of studying left. So I might have studied for two or three weeks already, but I kind of wanted to know that I generally grasped the information before I scheduled it. Um, I have three young kids and life's pretty busy, so I didn't want to schedule it and then find out some crazy thing happened and I wasn't ready. Um, so I gave myself, you know, two weeks ahead of time to get it scheduled and um, be all ready for it. And then that, those two weeks were finishing up studying and then reviewing. Um, and then at, at the end, I had to wait for 5.0 to come out because I had gotten the three done. The first three I got done in probably about six months, and then I had to wait a few months for 5.0 to come out. Um, and then I took both of those within a month of 5.0 being released. Okay. And how long did it take you to... to uh, finish the whole the whole process. Start to finish, I think it was um, 13 months. 13 months. All right, so we're seeing some consistency here. 
a uh, little more than a year uh, in all, all cases here. Um, I don't think I got that question from Jake or Jonathan. Maybe I'll ask you, Jake. How did you, I guess, buy the exams? Did you, you know, kind of buy them, all six of those up front or sort of as you went? Um, so uh, our, the firm line office that I work for, they pay for exams uh, if you, when you pass. So during that break week, I would, I, would do, I would purchase them individually, but I would wait till the end of my break week to buy them. And then, you know, I'd be reimbursed around that time for the previous exam. So that's, that's kind of how I, I did it on a single exam basis. Okay. So you would, you'd, you'd buy them right here sort of in that, in that, that break week between exams. Okay. And how about you, Jonathan? Yeah, very similar. Um, our firm also reimburses us for exams when we pass. And so I would schedule uh, and purchase my exam week one of my study period. And then once I got that pass letter or email, I would take it down and uh, submit it for reimbursement. Okay, gotcha. Beautiful. All right, so then let's move on to our next question here. Um, you know, I mean, I think in, in all these cases, you know, a year, year and a half, roughly, is sort of the uh, the time frame here. Um, you know, now it's it's six exams. You know, of course, ARI 4.0 is seven exams. You could conceivably take them. You know, I've heard people take them one week apart, two weeks apart, one month apart. Um, what uh, Debbie uh, has held you back from taking those, or had held you back from taking those exams even faster? Well, the biggest break was definitely waiting for the 5.0 to come out. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other things that held me back was after I just, well, I was in the middle of moving um, from Virginia to Kentucky mm -hmm. around the time that I started testing. And I was living with my parents for the transition for mm -hmm. a few months and commuting three hours a day into work. So... I would have gone a little bit faster, but it was pretty hard to get all of the studying done in with the move. Yeah, so life kind of got in the way a little bit. Yeah. Okay, how about you, Jake? Uh, you know, I think four to six weeks was, was pretty pretty good timing. I, I wouldn't want to push myself too much faster. I think for schematic design, I only took two weeks or a week and a half for that one just because it was, it was a vignette only and it was during the holidays, so I just wanted to knock it out um, mm -hmm. for Christmas. So, I, I mean, I think four, four to six is pretty, pretty quick. You can get them done in a year. Okay, so you're, you'd argue that that was just fast enough, okay. Um, Jonathan, how about you? Yeah, very, um, yeah, the whole four to six week thing to me just seemed like it was a, you know, a very manageable pace um, because I didn't want to actually rush too quickly through the material because one, obviously you want to have a good grasp on it, but two, if you failed the exam, you wouldn't be reimbursed for that. So if you're going to go in and make the financial uh, commitment to take the exam, you want to make sure that you gave yourself the best possible chance of passing. And four to six weeks to me seemed to be a very comfortable threshold. Um, but, you know, my me taking about a year and eight months to get through it was a series of life events, uh, you know, whether, again, it was a vacation, um, you know, I have a long commute as well. So, I, you know, there again, the study hours weren't necessarily as much as I would like for them to have been per week um, and some other things as well. So that tend to pop up. 
Yeah, I guess I wonder, um, uh, not knowing everyone's sort of stage in life, um, I wonder, does anyone wish they would have taken the exams earlier? And I'll let you guys just sort of speak up if, if you do. Uh, and by I that, I'm sorry, had... earlier sort of in your, in your career. Sorry, Debbie, I cut you off. I wish I had taken them earlier. My original plan was to take them um, during my maternity break with my first child. And that didn't really work out. Mm -hmm. um, now I have three kids working full time and I have a side job where I'm a portrait painter. Oh man. And somehow there's so much more time in the day now. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Anyone else? Jake, Jonathan? Well, for me, um, I started taking my exams only having one year experience. <laughs> so oh, wow. okay. there's not really much you more you can kind of there's not really much earlier you can take it, you yeah. know, no than kidding. that. So yeah, that's pretty aggressive. No kidding. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I think it's nice to take them early because you really learn a lot just studying for the exams. Um, I, I think I waited about two years um, before I started testing, and, and that was good because I didn't have too much real-world experience to cloud what I thought NCARP was looking for mm -hmm. um, on, the, on the questions. So I think one to two years if you can. Uh, obviously, like you're gonna have less uh, uh, potential for life issues to come in the way with with scheduling. So you get busier as you get older, more into your career. So just get it done early if you can. Yeah, um, Debbie, um, how far along in your career were you when you took them? Um, well, I had worked six years, and then I took off. Um, about six years with my three kids. Okay. And then I took the tests when I started back to work okay. after that. So you're at plus or minus 12 years or so. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you could take them after a year or two where I was living mm -hmm. or at that time. Mm -hmm. I totally would have if I'd been able to, but yeah. I don't think it was an option. Okay. Awesome. Um, so let's see. It looks like all of you have taken... <clears throat> the vignettes. Jonathan, how did you handle them? Uh, the key thing was to utilize the practice software. That was crucial um, because as most people who have taken 4.0 know, it is a very bumbling program. And if you haven't spent, um, and what I typically did was I spent um, at least half of that last review week uh, just practicing going through the vignette, um, and especially too with schematic design being the first exam and the first uh, set of vignettes, um, I took a good week and a half practicing that software. That was crucial. Mm -hmm. Debbie, how about yourself? I practiced each vignette three or four times um, just to make sure that I understood how to use all the tools and how to which tools would help me get to the solution faster. Um, and then I transitioned to 5.0 because I hated the vignette. <laughs> uh, Jake, how about you? Yeah, I actually liked the vignettes. I, I felt uh, that the multiple choice was more of a challenge, but um, I also, uh, similar to Debbie, I took three stabs at it. The first one was just familiarizing yourself with the tools. 
the program is pretty consistent throughout each of the, the tests, each just figuring out the crux of the problem and what the tools are. So the first pass through, just familiarizing yourself. Uh, the second pass was timed. Usually, uh, I like to procrastinate. So I was doing that the night before, um, but not studying multiple choice. And then the morning of, as I was having my morning coffee, I would just kind of go through it again, timed, um, before I went to the testing center. Awesome. Yeah, I like the I like the timed bit. I think that's smart. I did write, by the way, on the slide here that you're crazy uh, that you actually like the vignettes. <laughs> and it's a rare uh, breed, a very rare breed. <laughs> the software is not not very effective, but you know it's it's drawing still. Totally. Yeah. Um, Jake, maybe I'll stay with you. Did you leverage any sort of groups or resources to help you prepare? Yeah, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with AIA Central Valley and yeah. the Black Spectacles course that we've been, um, I guess, facilitating for a couple years now. Um, so I was part of the first generation of that group where we met on Saturdays, watched the videos, and uh, just had basically just Q&A after each, each video. Some of them were pretty pretty self-explanatory, so we didn't talk too much, but that was our Saturdays, and then sometimes we'd meet up in groups uh, throughout the week just to go through flashcards or, um, you know, go through questions that we had. How about you, Debbie? Um, I had a similar uh, AIA-sponsored group that used Black Spectacles, and they would meet and have presenters go over the different topics. Um, I didn't I wasn't able to make it to all of the meetings because sure. of things with kids. Uh, I did go, I think I only made it to one, um, but I had access to the Black Spectacles. Also, our library had all of the Kaplan books, mm -hmm. and I bought the Ballast books, so I used all of those resources for studying. And by being in the um, AIA group, I met another person who was going through the test at the same time, mm -hmm. and we kind of met up and have kept track of each other's progress and I think that was really great just to have somebody who is going through it to talk to and to cheer on through it. Awesome. Uh, Jonathan, how about yourself? Well, um, because at the time that I was taking my exams, I was really um, pretty much the only one uh, taking the exam and, um, and you know, my time period. So um, there, I was really studying with anyone else particularly, but luckily um, our firm does have a library of study material and because I'm on the education committee for our firm as well, I make sure that we had up-to-date uh, materials, so I would check out those. Um, also, I would you know go online and utilize the Black Spectacles mock exam videos and things of that nature as well. Um, and um, pretty much a lot of blogs, um, and any other kind of published notes that people, you know, could give in terms of strategy and ways of looking at the material. So I pretty much just kind of um, picking out things from everywhere. And also, too, utilizing NCARB's um, practice exam and get, going through the list of resources that they uh, uh, pull questions from 
and actually going through and, and purchasing some of those books that they recommend and going through those, through those as well. Yeah, I think that's a good one. <clears throat> it was really interesting when you realize that, you know, a lot of the book, uh, when they talked to, <clears throat> when they explained to us um, how they craft their questions, um, they explained that, you know, for every single question that they put out, put out there in the exam, they need to have some sort of uh, authoritative resource that backs it up. And so a lot of the, in, in most of the cases, those books are the ones that they list on their website. So that's a good suggestion, uh, I think. That's a, maybe a little tip for everyone to, to take those books seriously. Although, <laughs> admittedly, they're very long, so uh, maybe you for reference. They're very, very long. Yeah. And you can't go through all of it, but at least try to pick, you know, through some of it as much as you can. All right, so um, uh, Debbie, I'm gonna go with you on this one here. Where and when did you make time to study? And I'm actually gonna pull a question here from, from Brian uh, on, on GoToWebinar here who asked, you know, he'd be, he'd be curious how Debbie studied with kids. He's saying he also has small children and you know, has a hard time uh, finding the time and the energy uh, to get the studying done. So can you elaborate a little bit about that? Yeah, my kids usually go to bed between 7 and 8, so I would study in the evenings from 7, 7 or 8 o'clock to 10 or 11, and before I started studying, this was the time I had set aside for painting, mm. um, so it was already a very rigorously held schedule that I had blocked out for painting time, so it was pretty easy to switch that time from painting time to studying time. Um, I kind of had to completely give up painting for a period because it was too hard to switch back and forth between studying and painting. I always would paint instead of studying, so I had to just give it up. So it wasn't yeah. an option for me. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Give up those hobbies. Um, how about you, Jake? Yeah, I mean, you're definitely going to have to sacrifice some hobbies, uh, especially if you want to get the exams done in a reasonable amount of time. Um, I typically, because I was trying to keep with the four weeks on most of the exams, would study for about five days a week, but not uh, more than probably two hours for most of those days, um, with the exception of, of course, on Saturdays when we'd meet up for the Black Spectacles videos. But um, I'm a firm believer in repetition, so I would always bring flashcards with me to work and then uh, on my lunch break, I found that was an easy one hour right there just to go through flashcards um, just for general knowledge. And then at home, I might spend an hour or two going through more more in-depth focused uh, study material. Yeah, that sounds a lot like how I studied when I did this. Um, it's amazing. You, you add up the 20 minutes in the morning, 45 minutes during lunch, you know, 30 minutes on your commute. It does all add up. Especially just keeping the information constantly in your head and you're always thinking about it. So you don't have the tendency to forget, oh, what did I study last Tuesday? Uh, it's always in your mind. And I just um, to expand on that a bit too, I think the more resources that you have access to, uh, even if it's free sample questions online, um, just utilize everything you can just to see how NCARB is testing your uh, decision-making process. Um, and, and also each question that you come across is just one more avenue for uh, research. Awesome. Jonathan, how about yourself? Yeah, so after work, I would make time to where I would um, 
go to the gym for an hour and a half or so. And then after that, I would find my local Starbucks and basically close it down. Mm. Um, and that was five days a week, um, about two and a half, three hours a day. Um, and then Saturday and Sunday, because obviously there's no, or a, a lesser work commitment that those were going to, those were my actual long days. So I would spend about five, six, or sometimes up to eight hours at Starbucks on Saturday and Sunday, uh, especially for those exams like structures and, uh, building systems. Um, and also for those harder exams too, I would take my lunch break and use that hour as well to go through the exam material as well. Yeah, that's one thing I think it's maybe worth noting is that it also is, um, you know, if you guys are all working while you're doing this, it's important that the folks who you work with, they know that you're studying because they'll, be they'll give you a little bit of space. They'll give you a little bit of leniency, perhaps. Um, and so, you know, studying during work is important, I think, uh, to take that time and also just to make, make it known that I'm studying for my exams just so everyone knows, you know? Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Debbie, I just have you to say. You can ask questions too. Yeah, Debbie, I just have to say on uh, GoToWebinar, uh, everyone's asking about your story. Um, I think about seven or eight people here have just said that they also have kids and they're they're having a hard time finding motivation after a long break or just you know finding time because uh, of you know the way children take over your life. Uh, do you want to add anything else to that? There's a lot of lot of questions and comments about that. Um. Once I decided I definitely wanted to get it done and made it a priority, I think it was easier. Um, when they were very little, I just, I didn't even try um, mm. to, to pursue it. So I just at one point decided, well, I have to, I definitely want to do this. I'd had, <laughs> I'd actually had dreams about not finishing school, like somehow I had, never gotten my um, high school diploma and I'd got skipped on to college and I, then I didn't finish college for some reason. And since I started studying for the exams, I haven't had that dream anymore. And it was all about not having finished something. Mm -hmm. So I just had to decide, I, I definitely want to get this done and then um, set aside, make that time to do it. Um, mm -hmm. And it is harder to work around the schedule of kids who have evening activities that you have to do and weekends are busy. Um, but I just gave myself enough time to get it, to get each test studied for before I did it, which, which is why I didn't usually schedule them until a week or two ahead of time. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to get myself into a situation where I wasn't prepared when mm -hmm. I took the test. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, taking the test, I never felt like I could have been prepared because they always shocked me with how hard they were. But um, I just, you know, m made up a priority during that time. And then I usually did take a few weeks off kind of in between just to relax with the kids a little bit more, but not too much because then I'd get out of the habit. Mm -hmm. um, uh, generally, how old were your kids when you decided to do this? Um, they're three or four or they're... Eight or nine? My kids are four, six, and eight. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay, good. Well, I think that should give some folks some ideas. Um, I think you set yourself some reasonable expectations. You gave yourself some breaks in between. 
um, and you, you just decided you were going to do it. Um, and I have to say, Lonnie just noted in our comments here that uh, they had the same dream that they did not get their master's degree. So you're not alone. <laughs> um, awesome. All right, so let's, uh, Jonathan, based on your experience, how would you recommend firms handle licensure? Not every firm handles it the same way about reimbursing, providing materials, et cetera, et cetera. How do you think they should, uh, or, or even like, you know, recognizing folks when they do get licensed, et cetera, et cetera. How do you think they should do it? Yeah, well, I think, well, licensure for the firm in general is a significant, and it's, it's an investment, one, and it's also a selling point, too, because obviously the more licensed professionals you have on your staff, the think the better you are. So, um, and for the firms to kind of acknowledge that importance, I think is crucial because it, it gives you motivation to keep going, knowing that there are people who are cheering you on. And so creating an environment, I think, where licensure is important and is valued is, I think, uh, highly crucial. And that's not to say that, you know, every, not everyone has the, the, the ambition of being registered. But I think for those who do have that ambition for whatever reason, I think that firms need to, need to acknowledge that the importance of that decision because there's so many people um, from starting school through to practice who don't make it. And to have kind of made it through all the rigor of schools and all the rigor of internship and all the rigor of, of studying for the exams and finally making it, um, for firms to acknowledge how important that is, um, is a huge deal. And luckily I work for a firm that actually did um, uh, convey how important that was uh, for them. Um, they took me out for for dinner, and uh, some of them uh, actually you know, bought me a bottle of wine and stuff like that, um, which made me feel really good. So it made me feel as though that my struggle actually mattered to them. Yeah, I have to tell you, I speak to some folks who work at firms where they <laughs> they don't provide any resources, they don't provide any motivation. Maybe one of you will will tell a similar story. I don't know, but um, and it's always shocking to me um, that they don't sort of see the value there. Um, in any case, uh, Jake, tell me about uh, about your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame to hear that firms don't uh, support it so actively. I think when you, in the grand scheme of things, two hundred and ten dollars per exam. I don't know what they've gone to at five point but uh, it's really a drop in the bucket in terms of. Uh, income. So, yep. uh, $1,400 for all exams. I mean, that's, that's pretty small. So I think the way we handle it's really good uh, paying for the exams, but then also we provide, uh, paid time off for taking the exams and that helps too. You don't have to worry about scheduling it on the weekend. I always like to take them on Fridays, take the day off and then I can relax over the weekend. Um, and at the emerging, with the Emerging Professionals Group in our office, what we started doing recently just to raise awareness and um, provide uh, motivation for people to get going on their exams is uh, when somebody passes, we'll post it on our intranet and just congratulate them. And it, it provides a good, uh, good group of, of uh, people studying. Awesome. Uh, Debbie, how about you? Well, the firm I worked for, they did give paid time off for taking the exams, but they mm -hmm. didn't cover the cost or have any resources. Um, and it kind of made it hard. Um, 
I've I've since switched firms largely because of the lack of sort of support behind mm-hmm. being licensed and recognizing that as a step forward and being willing to give more responsibility. I was in a very small firm mm-hmm. and um, the so it was me and an architect and a drafts person and the architect couldn't see any room for handing over any actual architect responsibilities. So there wasn't room for me to grow there. So I felt switching firms into a place where they were really excited for me to be licensed was just such a welcome relief (laughs) and a nice change. Um, So it's been exciting to be here where, you know, they put more emphasis on it and they um, support support me through it. Yeah, I think that's an important point. There are a ton of people on this webinar right now and many who will listen to this later. If you're working at a firm that doesn't support you and your path to licensure, there's a lot of firms out there who will. And uh, uh, I don't know, maybe that's our public service announcement for today. (laughs) Uh, So don't don't feel like uh, it's like that everywhere. There are a lot of places that do support um, aspiring architects. Okay, Um, I think Jonathan, you're going to be Great. This is going to be great. We have a very different opinions maybe on this. Jonathan, I think you said you took this right after about a year year out of school. Tell me about your thoughts about taking the exam right afterward. Well, my situation is a bit unique because I, when I graduated from college, it was during the the recession. It was two thousand and nine, mm-hmm. and so it took me you know four or five years to actually find a job in architecture. And so with that. In, I, that mindset of already being behind as it is, <laughs> further behind that I wanted to be in life, mm-hmm. um, I decided that it's kind of like now or never, so I need to get it done. And so that's why I decided, okay, I gave myself the year, I've got some experience on my belt in terms of practice, which I think is you need in order to pass some of the, uh, to answer some of the questions correctly on the exam. Um, so once you have that year out of your way, go ahead and struggle through it and finish the exams. And I gave myself a deadline to be licensed at 30. Hmm. And I, I made a sticky note, a big sticky note, put it on my computer for everybody to see. Um, and I held myself to that uh, standard. So, and also I know as many people have said as well, that the longer you wait, the harder it is because, you know, as the older you get, you get more responsibilities, whether it's work life or whatever, whatever. And so it was truly a kind of now or never time for me. Yeah, I really like that <clears throat> about making it public. I was recently listening to a Tim Ferriss uh, podcast, and he, I can't remember the name of the website. Maybe somebody, uh, if you can think of this, you can put it into the GoToWebinar notes. But there's some website where you can essentially um, you can find a, like a friend. Uh, you can don- donate. You can say, I want to pass the ARE before I'm 30. You, you put... $500 into an escrow account through this website, and then your friend is the only person who can allow you to uh, to get the money. And if you fail, then something like they donate the $500 to like the worst charity that you would never ever want to donate to. Um, so it really holds you uh, accountable. I thought, it, I thought it was pretty awesome. Um, okay, uh, Debbie, how about you? What do you think about you know taking the exam right after grad? Because you can do that now. You can take it right after you graduate. 
Does that sound crazy to you or sound like really smart? I don't, I think I would have if I'd been able to. Um, it sounds like a good plan. Would have been easier to avoid some of the life things that came up with kiddos um, if I had taken it earlier. I did learn some stuff while working that I think gave me more experience in order to have a, you know, a broader understanding of some of the things. Um, but also studying for them is, I think, a great way to develop the your career because you go over some material um, that you touched on in school but may not have gotten into as deeply. So I don't know. Yeah. What do you I think? didn't have the option, so. Yeah. What do you think, Jake? Yeah, like we talked briefly earlier, I think taking it out of right out of school or, or give yourself a year or two just to get a little bit of uh, experience before you're taking them. But uh, it seems like with 5.0, with what I've seen, they're, they've created a more holistic approach to the test. So almost seems like having more experience may be better. Um, mm -hmm. That's just my uh, brief experience with some of the questions I've seen. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know, I, I think it's good to take them early so that you use them as a, a learning tool for your career. I think that was, that was um, a good approach. Yeah, I wonder, this is an interesting question. Uh, Debbie, I wonder what your thoughts here, since you have taken a couple of the 5.0 exams, do you feel like it does require more experience or, or not, not so much? Um, I think it probably does require more experience and more of a wider view of of the of practice of architecture, possibly, because mm -hmm. um, some of the things I felt sort of encompassed more of my experience in the field than maybe the 4.0 did, which seemed to be more specific sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting observation. Especially, yeah, especially working through. The code and in, in the um, the now I'm blanking on what they're called, where they have the group of documents that you look through. The case studies. On the case studies, especially on the case studies, because that's how you work in the office. You've learned to go through those things and find the information that you need. And I felt that that was very much what we do, and so. Having done it a lot in the office, I found it fairly easy to find the information I needed on those. Um, and I heard a lot of people f sort of run out of time on those or take a very long time. And I don't know if that was because they had less experience in an office than I did or, you know, just something about the way they process the information. Mm -hmm. But I did think it was helpful on that. Okay. I mean, it makes sense, I think. Um, just going through a couple of projects in your experience would probably lend itself to the types of questions they're probably asking through the exam. So I think it makes sense, at least to me. Um, so I would say we've maybe talked a little bit about this one. Um, let me think here for a second. I'm going to skip this question, actually. And one of my favorite questions here, I'm going to kind of call an audible here. One of my favorite questions is, after you take your exam or when you pass the exam, what are, what are the things that you did? What is a ritual that you had um, after 
uh, you took the exam or after you passed them. Um, Jake, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you. Yeah, so I have uh, a lot of recent licensed architects in our office, so they know what I'm going through. And like I said earlier, I always tested on Friday. So I took the day off, and then when I was done, we'd all meet up for beers. And that was kind of the breath of, uh, breath of uh, air when I was finished. And then that would kick off my week break uh, before I scheduled my next one. I think that just forgetting about the tests for a week is just crucial. Um, so that would be my advice. Just take, give yourself a little bit of time before you uh, sit down and get burnt out. Okay. Um, Jonathan, how about you? Well, I would take my exams on a Monday. And at first when I did it, I would do my exams and do a half day at work. But then I realized I was brain dead at work, and so I stopped doing that. So I started taking the whole day off. And so I would, do my, I would go to my exam, and after I took my exam, uh, I would basically go home, take a nap, and then get up and then have whatever dinner food I wanted and have a glass or two or three of wine and uh, just relax um, that, that day. Awesome, seeing a trend here. Uh, Debbie, how about yourself? Um, most of the tests, I was able to take the whole day off afterwards. I always took them first thing in the morning because I like to get them done with. Mm-hmm. and not worry about them through the through the day. Um, so I enjoyed having the rest of the afternoon off and going home and spending the time with the kids and getting to help, you know, get the dinner on and everything. And then um, there were a few tests where I did have to go back to work afterwards. Oh, and boy. on those, I treated myself to an extra long lunch and then walked around an art gallery and didn't worry about getting back to work too quickly. Awesome. All right. I was going to say, if you told me you took a nap, I would have said, are you crazy? You took a nap. Parents can't have naps. <laughs> <laughs> I have a couple of kids myself, so I know. <laughs> so They were all at school. I know. Possibly yeah, happen. you're right. That's a good point. <laughs> awesome. All right, let's and it would see. be a real treat indeed. Yeah. What would you guys say, um, and we've had this question come through, a number, number of folks here have asked some variation of this question. Um, suggestions for keep, keeping up your morale during the process, so especially, um, and I'll lead, you know, I, I didn't pass all my exams. I failed one of them along the way. Um, so especially, you know, if you fail one of your exams, what are some suggestions for keeping up your morale during the process? Uh, Jonathan, I'll start with you. Well, one, acknowledging the fact that it's okay to fail. Don't beat yourself up because nothing in the world, it's not like you can't take it again. Um, you may have to pay for it again, but it's nothing in the world. Just keep going. But also, too, just think of the fantastic feeling to ha- that you'll have when it's over and done. You have that chunk of your life back um, because it does take an emotional toll on you. And giving yourself a mental break if you do need it, if you didn't take a week off between you know, studying for your exams between them, that's fine. Give yourself that time. But also, to make sure you find people in your life to keep you accountable and to give you that emotional support. And luckily, I had friends and coworkers to do that. Yeah, I think that's an important one. 
those friends and coworkers to kind of keep supporting you along the way. That's really good. Jake, how about you? Yeah, I think having a support network is really important, even if it's when you're getting done, it, obviously not divulging too much information about what you saw on the test, but just having somebody to vent about the process because nobody likes taking those tests. They're always miserable. So just having somebody to vent to is, is important and just kind of having fun with it. Uh, I mean, you're learning a lot about a career that obviously we're all very passionate about. So just, you know, take it for what it is, just a learning experience. And I think it's less painful that way. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective. I like that a lot. Uh, okay, uh, Debbie, how about you? I did like studying for the test because it was information that I was learning. I hated taking the test. It was every time I was convinced I had failed when I went out. Um, I always had to have the attitude that if I did fail, then I'll know what I'm getting into better next time. So I should be able to take it on better. Um, so I kind of just looked at it that way. Like the learning new stuff, I have no problem with that. That's fun. It's hard to make the time, but it was fun to refresh and learn new stuff. And then I just always told myself, okay, if you failed, you'll know better next time what you what material you should have studied and what to take on. Yeah, I think, um, and this is one thing that, you know, Mike Newman and I talk about a lot on these podcasts is don't forget that actually one of the best ways to study for the exam is to just take it. Um, and uh, in fact, he, he often tells this story if when he does these workshops and he has 100 people in a room, he says, you know, if you guys were all MBA students, half of you would just go take all the exams without studying at all knowing that just based on statistics, you'd probably pass two or three of them and then could just focus on the remaining ones. Um, some folks might think that's reckless, but on the flip side, uh, it is a great way to study because you really do kind of get a sense of what it's like and, and, and things along those lines. Um, so, okay. Any other thoughts uh, anyone has on this one? All right. Um, I. We have a huge list of questions, but I think we've gotten through most of them, actually. Um, let me look here real quick. Um, I guess this is kind of an interesting one from, um, uh, from Allison. She asks, uh, what would you do differently as a part of your test-taking process? Or maybe after you failed one of the exams, what did you figure out that you needed to do differently? Um, uh, so Jake, maybe I'll ask you that question. Yeah, so I actually failed my first test. Um, and I felt miserable, and I think I waited, I didn't include this in my, uh, just over a year, but um, I think I took like four months and was just depressed, not really, but a little bit, um, and I studied for that one, it was, I took PPP, I studied for about two months, realizing that I only um, really studied for about a month, but that's when I adjusted my four to six weeks Actually, I was probably more than two months on the first pass, but um, getting more resource material was, was critical in that, that uh, change, and then the time frame as well, just making it more focused. Okay. Um, Jonathan? Yeah. Um, I guess what I would have done differently is 
to make sure that I went in to the studying with a cohesive plan. Um, and again, that takes time as well. Once you get the format down, it's fine. But actually the whole thing about me breaking down my weeks of studying based upon the percentages of how the material was covered by the NCARB uh, guidance, it took me about three exams to kind of figure that out. <laughs> um, so just going in there with a very solid plan and also, too, giving myself a bit more time, maybe for my first exam, maybe another week and a half or so, to kind of regain a study method, I think would have been uh, a lot more helpful because, you know, being at school for several years, you kind of forget how to study. So giving yourself time to redevelop those skills, um, I would have given myself a bit more time if I could do it all over again. Okay. And Debbie? Um, if I could do something differently, I may have started when, when my youngest was just a newborn and I was on maternity leave because <laughs> I feel like I definitely had more time then. That's interesting. Okay. Um, tell me more about that. What do you mean? When you're on maternity leave, you don't have any time. You have that baby, it's crying. You don't have any time. Give me a break. When I had my first kid... I felt like I had absolutely no time when that one right. was a baby. Right. But then by my third, I realized, oh, babies don't really take up so much time because I've got <laughs> two awesome. others that take up that's right. a lot more time than the baby did. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great perspective. So, that's great perspective. I had a change of perspective and could look at it and realize that there was time, I would have done it then. But at that point, I thought I had to sit there and hold the baby all the time, which yeah. was wonderful. And I wouldn't really give that up. So... I don't know what I would change. <laughs> That's awesome. And lastly here, um, uh, I've gotten a couple of questions about this. Uh, so Debbie, you're on the hot spot, on the hot seat here uh, about the transition to 5.0. Um, uh, you did it. You passed. Um, do you recommend making the jump to 5.0? Can you talk about that a little bit? I really like the 5.0 test better. Um, I felt like they grouped the material the material into um, more of a realistic way that we work. I liked all of the new testing types of questions. Mm -hmm. The um, case studies are very real to what we do. The like point and click, it just works from my brain well mm -hmm. um, in a way that added to the test. Like the 4.0 being all multiple choice and then the vignettes. Um, I just didn't think that the vignettes tested what we actually do. They just seem like some strange foreign thing where you have to understand the software more than testing your knowledge of what you're doing on most of them. Um, so I really liked the 5.0. I did not like waiting three or four months to get my results because <laughs> I was one of the first few to take it. Mm -hmm. But now that you only have to wait a day or so, I would definitely recommend it. Awesome. Well, Jared Zern would be very happy to hear you say that um, uh, and that we're sharing, uh, sharing that feedback. That's really awesome to hear. I know they were, um, a lot of people I think were maybe a little intimidated by it. And so hearing your feedback I think is really great. Um, so it was a little worrying since you couldn't take it back after you transitioned, but I was very happy that I did it. Yeah. Awesome. 
All right, well, uh, I'm going to go ahead uh, and end it there. I'm going to thank Jonathan Stiles, Jake Elliott, Debbie Bird. Thank you guys so much for sharing your approach and your feedback um, and, and all the details about how you did it. And congratulations on, on passing your exams. Um, we, need, we need one of those, like, DJ buttons where we can have, like, a round of applause playing right now. <laughs> but uh, we don't have one right now. So imagine that's, that's happening right now. So thank you guys so much. <clears throat> Um, if you guys would like, uh, all you folks who are listening in, if you'd like to attend our next ARE Live broadcast, where we'll focus on the programming and analysis mock exam, just go to blackspectacles.com slash podcast to register to attend. Um, and just like today, you'll, you'll have a chance to ask questions and, um, and share your answers to that mock exam during the session for live feedback. Um, to learn more about our ARE exam prep curriculum, go to blackspectacles.com, where you can try out any of the free course videos. Um, that some of these folks have talked about using. Uh, if you want your boss to pay for your membership, be sure to visit blackspectacles.com firms to learn more about, about our firm memberships for firms of any size. And then for those of you who are ready to start preparing for the ARE right now, and if you're already an AIE member, you can use coupon code HOW51617PC to get a 15% discount for the entire duration of your ARE exam prep membership. Finally, please leave a comment below the video to let us know what you think share any suggestions you may have. I promise we'll read every word that you write and use them to tune our next episodes. So thanks for watching.